Thank you so much for joining us at Journey Online. I am so excited to lead a message right after Easter. And man, what an Easter it was. We started a brand new sermon series. And it was perfect timing because we're talking about Jesus being greater. And last week, we began our study through Hebrews, and we heard you know, pretty much that Jesus is the best. He's greater than everything. And what a beautiful thing to talk about. So through this sermon series and the upcoming weeks, we are going to see how Jesus is greater than certain people and certain things that we're going to read through in the Bible. And this week, we will be talking about one of the kingpins of faith, Moses. And our hope is to see how Jesus is elevated, is greater is the best. And Moses played an important part, but they should not be on the same level. So we're going to see how Moses is going to part in our lives. So before we do that, I want to get into this image of what it means for the message, what I based it all off of. So just kind of picture this with me. I moved to Camarillo about, let's say nine years ago, and we moved over to Mission Oaks and it was just a beautiful, quiet neighborhood. And so what Steph and I did to get kind of accustomed to the area is go on these walks. And we'd walk all over the place to little neighboring neighborhoods. And if you're familiar with the area, there's this street called Upland. And if you continue going up this little hill on this incline, I would see this beautiful house that I fell in love with. And I mean, it is just gorgeous. Every single time, whether I was running or jogging or walking, going up this hill, I would stop and just admire this house. It just had this beautiful gray brick. It was meticulously lined out perfectly. You could see the detail given around the trim. The landscape was pristine. It was just a gorgeous house. And every single time, I'd just stop and say, wow, I, I, I love this house. And I could stare at this for a little while and, and kind of picture myself one day having a home like that. I don't think I'm the only person that's kind of weird and does stuff like that. I know we all drive around and check out different spots that we kind of dream ourselves to be, different mansions you see. Camarillo's flooded with these beautiful mansions up by the golf course or in the heights, wherever you're going. We just drive around and we pay attention to these homes. We see, wow, that is just beautiful. Look at the archways. Look at these pillars. Everything is just beautiful. I love that house. But... I think we've been looking at it the wrong way. We shouldn't just be sitting back and noticing this beautiful building. I think we've completely missed the point. What we need to do is admiring the person that made that home. We should be thanking the architect, the contractor, the builder, the woodsman. We need to thank the person that put these tiny, meticulous details together to make that standing structure as beautiful as it is today. It is because of their attention to detail, their planning, some of them years previously, laying out, mapping exactly what they want, measuring two times, three times, 20 times, going to the store, ordering people around, whatever it may be, we need to thank them for what they did. So we need to shift our focus. And that's the title of today's message. We need to shift our focus and pay attention to the builder, not the building. You see, to the Jewish and Hebrew people where this 
letter of Hebrews is being written to, Moses was right up there in the greats of faith. I mean, if you would ask these people, they would put him right under God, pretty much, because of everything that he accomplished. And he's one of the ancestors. So as you go back in time, what they did was elevate the people that were a little bit older that did it first, saying, you know what, Moses, right under God for what he's done. You know, rightly so. He has a case. He's done some amazing things. I mean, he led them through the desert. He brought them out of Egypt as a nation. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He brought them to the brink of the promised land. He helped perform miracles. And he communicated directly with God. Moses had some accomplishments under his belt. He did some pretty amazing things in his time where, yeah, he was elevated. Yeah, he was thought to be pretty great. And so this letter was specifically written because at this time, some of the people were beginning to doubt the power of Jesus and who he was and what he's done and still highly regarding Moses. They honored him and sometimes they put Moses above Jesus. The letter was meant to point out a few factual instances of why Jesus is better than Moses. This letter brings forward and shows us the power of Jesus and what he has accomplished and why he rightfully sits atop of the throne. So if you can, open up your Bibles, open up your app, and let's open to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 1. and Let's read this together. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. So first off, I love how the author starts off our text today. He sets the tone great. Because when you're coming at somebody where you may disagree with them, you're trying to prove a point, I encourage you, don't come out and straight attack them. Like, boy, you know what? You're wrong. This is what happens. No. So what this author does is he sets the groundwork. He says, hey, brothers and sisters, all of us who belong to God, we're all a part of this together. So they're setting the tone of saying, you know what? Let's learn together. Maybe God will reveal something to you that you may have glanced over before and kind of missed the point. So he calls us those who belong to God and partners with those called to heaven. You see, I, I, I love this because I think he's going to circle back around to this later on because he's writing to the people who so highly regard Moses. But here he says, those who belong to God and are part of heaven. And the only person that could bring us to both of those places is Jesus Christ. So it's a beautiful way to start elevating Jesus through the scripture to show exactly who he is. And on top of that, you know, Moses isn't the reason you're going to heaven. So we need to start getting this idea through of who Moses is, who Jesus is. So we need to put our perspective right. We need to shift our focus. Instead of looking at Moses at this time, we need to look at Jesus. And one of the best ways to do that is focus on Jesus. So verse one says we're to acknowledge Jesus as our messenger and other translations say apostle and high priest. And you see, apostle means sent by God. And so that uniquely applies to Jesus. 
because God sent him to fulfill his salvation work here on earth. Jesus is the both from which all other apostles grabbed their authority from. I mean, that lifts them up right there. This is Jesus who's giving the marching orders to all the other people, including someone like Moses. Jesus is our high priest who represents the presence of God. So think carefully who you're looking at. Think carefully of who you're focusing on. And I also like to kind of pick apart what that means. It says to think carefully. It means put your focus upon Jesus. This isn't just glance at Jesus or, hey, look, Jesus, okay, let's focus back on Moses. It means we need to focus everything, every ounce of us onto who he is and what he's done. And you know the kind of focus that I'm talking about, the kind of focus where you grab your phone and you're so enamored with what's going on your screen that you're walking out in traffic pretty much and almost getting hit by a car. That's focus. Or how you imagine your spouse, or let's say your future spouse, where you lock eyes and you just can't let your eyes draw away from this person, and hopefully you're ignoring everyone else. But that's the type of focus we need to be having on Jesus. Because when we have that type of focus, we're able to see what's directly right in front of us. So think carefully. Turn your focus on him. Stop focusing on other people. And let's look at who's right in front of us. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 2 through 4, as we continue on, it says, For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house, let's pay attention, deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Now you can see where my image is coming from. It's straight from scripture. We need to pay attention to the right thing. And so let me set the record straight. I am not tearing apart Moses, nor is the author of Hebrews discrediting anything that Moses has done. It's actually quite the opposite. We are lifting Moses up and we are going to list all of his accomplishments, all the things that actually elevate him to this place that was a well-respected, well-trusted leader that was a servant of God. The things being listed isn't to say, ah, don't pay attention to Moses. He's nothing compared to Jesus. It's saying, hey, Moses is amazing, but look how much more amazing Jesus is in our lives. You see, Moses was a faithful servant. And he did so much for the kingdom. He served faithfully. And he was entrusted with God's entire house. You know, how highly regarded is Moses? Well, let me take you to a place in scripture that just proves how much God likes him. You see, there's this place in Numbers where Moses usually hung out with Miriam and Aaron. And they had this bond because there's a relation there. And at this time, they were having a little squabble. You see, Moses married someone that Aaron and Miriam didn't really approve of. And they were calling Moses out over it. So they were having a little family dispute. And then immediately, and I mean, it says it in scripture, immediately God pops up. And he's like, yo, you are going to the tabernacle and we are going to have a talk right now. And then he sets the record straight. You can go with me to Numbers chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. And God says this to Aaron and Miriam but not with my servant, Moses. Of all of my house, he is the one that I trust. 
I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? God loved Moses. He trusted him with his house. He trusted him with his mission. He knew what he could do. It was one of God's right-hand guys. Moses was faithful in his ministry to fulfill his purpose in life. But Moses was still a human. Yes, he did such amazing things, but this is where we start to draw the line. I'm going to show you the differences between Moses and Jesus. See, Moses was a human with faults. He had failures and he fell short at some times in his mission. Jesus, on the other hand, never fell short, but faithfully fulfilled his mission to perfection. So when we flip from Old Testament to New Testament, we see that Jesus is the new and greater Moses. So let's look together and kind of see these images next to each other to not only glorify what Moses did and accomplish and what amazing things he did in his lifetime for the kingdom, but ultimately on the spectrum of Jesus, it's a little pebble compared to a stone. So Moses was sent to deliver the nation of Israel out of physical slavery in Egypt. It sounds pretty impressive when you hear that. Compare that to what Jesus did. Jesus was sent to deliver people from all nations out of spiritual slavery to sin and their hearts. So you can see the nation of Israel, all nations, all over. Pretty amazing what he was able to do. Moses only spoke the words that he received from God. So he was his microphone. He was his loudspeaker. God relayed messages through Moses and he gave it to the people. Jesus came as the very word of God who declared, I say to you, and simply his was God's words. That's the difference. He was, one was a loudspeaker. The other one was actual words that said, this is what's happening. Moses came as a recipient of the law. He laid down what was given to him. Jesus came to fulfill the law that was always destined for him. This is one of my favorite analogies. You see, Moses' face shined the reflection of heavenly glory when he experienced God. He was a reflection of what God was given through him. But Jesus shined like the sun on his own divine glory. You see, Moses was a servant in God's house where Christ is the son and owner of God's house. And while Moses was a servant in the house, Jesus, who is God, is the builder of the house. Yes, we can see how amazing and how strong and powerful work Moses did in this kingdom, but Jesus is so unmatched and in a different level that's not even funny. People have been looking at Moses as the one who should be lifted up and have been missing the one who built the entire thing. Let's look at it this way. Put yourself in Moses' sandals. The guy is just doing his job. He's faithfully doing what God instructed him to do. And let's make this personal. The same thing is for you. Say you're just doing your job, faithfully doing what God has called you to do. And whether that be your, your work life, your school life, your family life, we have a calling on our lives. And by doing his job, people along the way just naturally started to lift him up because he was doing great things. I mean, 
he did incredible things. You just heard what I said of what he was able to accomplish. When you do things like that, people are going to say, there's something different about this person and lift him up. The same could be said for you. You could change a whole dynamic around you. You can change households for the better with Jesus in your corner, and they're going to start to lift you up, those people around you. And because Moses, he walked and listened to God, he began to then make a difference in the world. He used the power that God gave him. God put him there for a reason. God put you where you are for a reason. Moses was special. And you were loved. But there's something different about Moses that I want us to take with us at the same time. Yes, we are comparing him against Jesus showing the difference. But at the same time, I want to use Moses as an example of someone we can learn from. Because Moses, after doing all these amazing things after changing the course of history, after being elevated to this place and so highly regarded, he did not get an ego. Moses was a very humble man. And Moses knew his place in the pecking order. Moses was a humble servant who always put the perspective back on the builder. And that is key for us as we move forward in this message. We shift our focus and put it back on who rightfully deserves all the credit. And as we go back to scripture, as we were just reading, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself, for every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Like I said earlier, let's put ourselves in Moses' sandal. As we do our work, as we give, as we disciple, as we see prayers being answered, as we're the light, we might get lifted up. People will look to you And there's a chance that pride will start to sink in. So I want to talk to you online viewers right now. You know, I'm big into the whole chat experience. So get ready. Get your fingers to the chat room right now. And I need us to put a few things so we remember what we're going through in this message. Number one is that we don't want this ego to creep in. We don't want pride to creep in. So type in humble in the chat right now. We must remain humble. People will look to you. But it doesn't mean that you have to take the spotlight. It means it's time to start reflecting that spotlight to other people. I want us to get our mind right. Sometimes we'll start showing off our house. Let's go back in the terms of the scripture. We'll start showing off who we are, what we have accomplished, and start listing all these things that we're so great at. But no matter how great you think you are, the only reason you've got to be where you are, the only reason you've had some of those accomplishments is because of God. And that's important to remember. God gave you those gifts. God gave you the finances. God gave you the opportunities. God's given you this platform to use. God is given. Not you created it. So keep your focus. I'm going to say it again. Keep your focus. Put that in the chat. Keep your focus. Set your eyes on Jesus. And remember who he is. Remember who built where you were standing. So yes, Moses was doing great things. You may be doing great things, and I pray and hope you are, but it's all because of God. When we shift the perspective, it changes things. So I want you to practice something. The next time someone says, wow, you're really doing great things. I see such a transformation. You've made such an impact in your family's life. You can reply, thank you. But it's God really doing the things through me. 
It's just that easy reflection to shift our focus on the one who rightfully deserves all the credit. Can I get an amen for that? You guys can say it at home. You can wake up your neighbor that's sleeping next to you. But as we continue on with this image of the builder and and who's there and why, let's continue on with verses 5 and 6. And I'm going to spend the rest of our time here because this is packed with information. So Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truth God will reveal later. But Christ as a son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. You see, Moses was a temporary servant. And his temporary servant, he was able to make a sole purpose in life to point to the one yet to come. That's what Moses' place was in history, to set the tone that one day Jesus would be amongst us. And Moses would plead with any man or woman not to think too highly of him, but let his life adjust their perspective to Jesus. He's the first one to reflect anything. He never really believed in himself. The only reason he accomplished so much is because he believed that God could work through him. So he was a temporary servant and he knew his place. You see, there is no room for hero worship in Christianity unless it's Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrew has already pointed that out. You know, if you read through the first two chapters of Hebrews, it's talking about elevating angels and Jesus is above that status. Even though people love angels, they're awesome, but they're nothing compared to Jesus. Now he's noting that Moses who was a hero to the Jewish people, is strictly a servant in the house of God. And Jesus is the son whom Moses serves. So stop lifting up and making a hero of only Moses. Put our eyes back on lifting up Jesus as our hero. We can't become infatuated with servants when we have access to the master. Why are we looking at anything else? Why are we focusing on anybody else when the builder, the architect, the creator is right in front of us? Now let's spend some time unpacking this verse 6. Let's get this whole house image going now. You see, we are God's house. The house of God is not a building made with human hands. Our God cannot be confined to a structure or a building, a location, or a time. And I hope over the past year you've began to realize that. That's not God's house. It's not some place. It's saying we are God's house. And we need to hear that. And God, get this, in scripture it says, God says you're not a servant in the house. God says you are his house. The author is not merely magnifying this whole time of showing Moses, who's a servant in the house. He's actually magnifying our position being the house. So you should walk with confidence knowing the type of regard that you and I can hold and the actual mission that we need to be doing for the kingdom. We are not servants in the house. We are the house. And who built the house? Everything God was doing through Moses was pointing at this time when Jesus would build the house. You are heirs to that promise. We belong to God's house. That is what Jesus built. 
That is what Jesus gave you. And you can say, well, Dustin, my house isn't much of a home. The roof flew off. I have some dry rot happening over here. I haven't kept it up. Kind of ashamed of my house, actually. I would tell you, your house is perfect. Because that means that if you can see that there are some holes in your house, if you are ready to relinquish control of that home, and you're ready to do something that you know God has instructed you to do, by you saying, I can't keep this up, you're handing it over to God to start to repair. Through the years, we will get some of that rot. Every single home. I don't care who you are, how, how faithful you are. Our walls will begin to crumble sometimes. We will have to repair. We'll have to throw up some duct tape. But let me tell you something and pay close attention. It's through those repairs that God does his finest work. Listen to this quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting an extra floor here, tearing up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live it in himself. You need to remember, no matter where you have come from, what you are going through, what you are dealing with, who you are being built by, we get a chance to look to the builder and creator that, yes, we may not be perfect right now, but working with God, God can begin to retrofit what needs to be fixed that can best work in his kingdom, and you can start reaching people only you can do. God is the only person who can restore us. Not Moses, but we're looking to our Savior to do that. I take this to heart because if I were to build my own home, I guarantee you it would fall over in like five days. I suck at building. It's just something in my DNA. I can't do it. Even when I read directions, I am picturing a few steps ahead of, I wonder what I'm going to have to fix because I've even read the directions wrong. and I'm going to have to take it all apart and do it again. So when my wife and I were ready to purchase our first home, I didn't say, hey, you know what? I'm going to build it. No, I left it to a professional. So we went to this empty plot of land where a community was going to be built. And it's at that moment where you sign documents and say, you know what? I'm going to have a builder come. I'm going to have an architect come, and they're going to build this home that I will one day get to live in. And it was nice to go through the process moving forward. There was working hand-in-hand -hand with the architect, the designer, the builder. You see just the details that were given. You see the markings on the wall where this had to meet here to make a compound, and then it would work, and only that way it would work because it has to work with the homes next to us. Everything was so well planned out. That is what God has been doing with our lives. So when we let God make our home, 
when our builder was done, we stepped in and I knew that we were going to be safe. I knew that we could live there. That's not the end of the story. Yes, a house was built for you, but what are you going to do to make the difference? See, you get to come in. We went in and we started making some decor changes, kind of fitting it to our style. That's what we get to do with our work in ministry as well. We get to, to live in this home that Jesus built. We make some decor changes without messing up the structure. And that means we work with the gifts that he has given us. We get to use the life that he has given us, the language, the type of language that we speak to best suit who we get to interact with and who we get to reach. We get to learn our own gifts. And that's what I mean by this redecorating on the inside. You say you have a ministry work to do. All of the pastoral staff here at Journey, we all communicate differently. We're all completely different. And that's a beautiful thing because I'm able to talk to someone that Jeff or Jeremy or Jeffrey are not able to do. You have the same type of thing. So yes, we are all structures built by God, but we all have a difference. And we're able to reach other people. And that is true for you as well. And towards the end of that scripture in verse 6, it says, And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Do you see that kind of surprise word in there? We've been talking about this house like, okay, we're being built. But suddenly there's this big if there. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. So I'm encouraging right now, hold on to the hope that's been given in your heart. Hold on to the confidence of who Jesus is, that he's built Exactly the house that he's wanted in your life. Start changing your perspective and your language and hold on to the hope and rejoice and say, look what God has given me. Look at what God has done for me. When we hold on to that, when we hold on to that hope, our endurance, when we hold on to it, we, we see what God has done all along. We've seen the years that it's taken to bring some of these loose ends together some of the pain in our life, and then we now see how it begins to make sense because God saw the whole picture all along. God is there for us. That is our glory, and that is our hope. So I hope you can erase that if in that sentence and say we are God's house. We will keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. We will face storms. We will experience some damage. But God will make you a mighty house. Do you put your hope in other things? It's going to fail you. It's going to let you down. Put your confident hope in the ultimate builder. Don't put your hope in man. Don't put your hope in Moses. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Our joy is in the knowledge that God has elevated us from slaves of sin to children in the house of God. And you can overcome any difficulty that's given to you. Endurance comes when we make Jesus our everything. If Jesus is not our everything, then we will not hold fast on this confidence that is needed, that God has given us. So fix your eyes. Shift your focus on the master and the builder of our house. It's that plan and work in us that we will experience every day that we get to be blessed on this earth. 
as he builds his church into the fullness and salvation of righteousness. You see, Moses was able to accomplish so much because he was a humble servant who was ready and willing to do anything that God asked him because he trusted him and knew that God believed in him to do that work. That's why Moses got lifted up. Jesus came down as a humble servant and was ready to do everything he could to bring us back wholly and fully because he believed in us to do his work. We get to be this house because of Jesus. We get to experience life because of Jesus. We get to experience these blessings in life because of Jesus. We get to make a difference in this world because of Jesus. And what is the best thing that we can do in return? If you walk away with one thing in this message, I hope it's this, that we are houses of the Lord. We are made to do more. So let's live out this gospel message. No matter what home you come from or what home you become, it will be a house that is occupied by you and the Lord and you are destined for more. So let's change the world. Let's love people. Let's show people grace. Let's show people the one that we are supposed to be elevating all along. Let's point people to Jesus. If God can equip Moses to accomplish such great things, think of what he has planned for you. Be the house. Become a glorious mansion that people will admire. Just the difference is, when people asked how it all happened, how this glorious mansion got to be, make sure to talk about the builder. Put the focus squarely on Jesus Christ for all that he's done in our lives and all he's going to do. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for laying out the plans years ago of what you expected for each and every one of us. And Lord, I know there's someone listening to this message right now that may not have confidence in their house, that feels like they are just surrounded with with rot and things going on in their lives that they're just not proud of and they think they can't contribute to the kingdom. Lord, I want them to experience you right now. And if you've never experienced Jesus in your life and his love and his grace, I ask you to just say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I know that you died for me and you rose again after three days. Transform my heart. Change my living habits to be replication of you, Lord. Because you're the one that can transform You're the one that can make a difference. And you're the one that will be glorified through me. Amen.